Hello, welcome to the Cities on the Frontline Urban Exchange Podcast. I'm Lauren Sorkin, Executive Director of the Resilient Cities Network. Together with Smart Cities World, we've created this space for city leaders and urban practitioners to share the opportunities and challenges they are grappling with as they drive transformative change in cities today. I would like to thank our sponsor, the World Bank, and you for joining us on the Urban Exchange Podcast, the premier urban resilience podcast taking us around the world to meet people working on the front line. I will now hand you over to our host for this episode. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Robert von Aston, the deputy mayor and alderman from the city of The Hague, beautiful city in Holland, where he's responsible for urban development strategy and Europe. Robert, welcome. Thank you, Paul. Please tell us, what does it mean to be an alderman in the city of The Hague? Well, I'm doing that now for over five years. And four years before that, I was uh, on the city council. So I'm, I'm uh, already some years involved here in the in City Hall. Now I have, um, I'm responsible for, for the urban development strategy and, and Europe and resilience uh, portfolio. And actually, that's that's uh, quite a nice portfolio together also with with uh, uh, the libraries, and they're actually all they're all combined because everything there's there's a red line going through it uh, because urban development building a city is so much more than just uh, creating uh, drawing uh, houses and and roads next to it. It it has everything to do with building communities, and that in a growing city, a rapidly growing city. That's quite a challenge, actually. And our topic today is a lot to do with the approach to using water or water resilience around The Hague. Certainly, The Hague is surrounded by water. Water is running through the middle of it. What have you been doing around water resilience in The Hague? Uh, well, of course, we're, we're, we're uh, one of the, uh, the only uh, main city uh, next to the sea. Uh, so, of course, you have... Uh, uh, the sea to to uh, look after uh, to see how how can you protect yourself from uh, from storms from rising sea uh, level, but also we're we're the low countries, so that means that behind that dunes we're actually below sea level. So with the we're in the delta, a lot of rivers flowing uh, through our part of the Netherlands, uh, so you have to protect yourself against that as well. And then you have uh, issues like groundwater. You have issues uh, with drinking water. Um, we take that from rivers, uh, so you have to take pollution uh, into account uh, uh, upstream from France, from Germany, to see uh, what is the effect uh, for the people of The Hague, because we transport it from uh, 19 kilometers away from a river to the dunes. Uh, there it infiltrates, and that's that's the lovely taste of our drinking water. Uh, but it can't be that too polluted. And we have for six weeks... Uh, water in the dunes and after that it is it is finished so we always we always have to look out for for new sources um, especially uh, we're building 900,000 new homes in the Netherlands uh, of which 250,000 in the Rotterdam the Hague area and it was very interesting when we came up with the plans um, the director of the water company actually said well that's, that's, of course, nice plans. Everybody needs homes. But nobody asked us if we have uh, enough drinking water to provide to every home. 
Well, that was, of course, uh, a good eye-opener in starting of a conversation uh, from what do we have to do to be resilient in that way as well. So actually, that's, that's, that's uh, in, in, in a nutshell, the issues uh, we face. But it's, of course, vital to, to have a uh, solid community here uh, in The Hague. You mentioned the sand dunes. Are you using the dunes to filter the water? Is that what you're doing? Yes, that's true. We, we transport it from, uh, from a river uh, approximately 19 kilometers away uh, through pipes. Then it uh, comes into the dunes in the south of The Hague and the north of The Hague. And the lovely part of it, because uh, you can't have too many people walking through that. That's, that's a very nice uh, nature uh, reservation. So you have the dunes, which are very wide there uh, with all kinds of infiltration uh, lakes in it. And after, and after it has filtrated, it gets pumped up, pumped up again and uh, distributed to over a million homes in the, the greater The Hague area. Wow. So this is no wonder you're seen as one of the world leaders in how to manage water for resilience. 900,000 new homes and using natural resources to supply water, drinking water to all those people. This has put you, if I'm right, it's put you on a, on a world stage at the UN Water Conference earlier this year. Is that, is that what happened? Yes, indeed. With the Resilient City Network, uh, we, joined, we joined them uh, in New York uh, to be there for a week. Uh, I was there with a team uh, to discuss during the New York Water Week and the conference, uh, the UN conference, to see what we can do as a city of, in the Netherlands to help other cities, to inspire other cities, and of course be inspired as well. There are some, some problems coming our way, uh, not only by the sea, and the rising uh, groundwater levels uh, and, and, and with salt water, but also from the rivers. We have a, um, a problem in European summers that it gets drier and drier, and with uh, rivers filled by rain, um, it is already expected that in, in the summer of 2050, the river Meuse can fall dry. And without water coming in from the rivers, then we do, will not have any drinking water. So then we will be forced to, to pump it up from, uh, from the ground levels, uh, as most European uh, cities do. But then you have a completely new range of problems there. So in order to discuss all these problems, uh, it, was, it was very good to be in, uh, in New York to have that conference because it's so uh, intertwined with, with a lot of problems in the world from drought to, to even to warfare. So the Dutch are known worldwide for managing water, the low countries, and uh, this has put you on the global stage for all sorts of technologies involved in managing water. Uh, you have you know, water running through the city, water coming up to the city. You're, you're a sort of global leader in water management, it would seem, but you're also a world leader in peace and justice as well. So you're already on a global stage as a city, is this combining now water with uh, global peace and justice leadership? Does that have an impact on what you're doing? Definitely. I think The Hague is very well uh, positioned uh, as the international city of uh, justice and peace, uh, which started in, in the, the late 1900s, uh, starting off the 20th century, uh, with the Peace Palace. And now, of course, the whole world knows The Hague from either the Peace Palace or uh, the Tribunal. But 
uh, not only by solving solving uh, issues between states or companies, it is it is also has brought us an infrastructure of uh, governmental organization, non-governmental organizations, universities, and and exchanges worldwide to see how can we uh, make the world a better place. And that has everything to do with water. We see more and more conflicts in the world over water and and uh, the sources in that. So if we can use the position of the Hague uh, with all uh, all its institutions um, to to bring up that water conference uh, on a new scale that that water talks uh, and, and to bring it here to the Hague to distribute that knowledge all over the world, I think we can combine the the, the power of the Hague as a city of uh, justice and peace with the knowledge of uh, of the Dutch on water with the problems of the world and hopefully make that the world a better place. Certainly, um, Dutch engineering around water is well known all, all over the world. You know, we I think the world would recognize that we need Dutch engineering on these issues. Is there technology development as well? And does this create, in a positive way, an opportunity for new for types of jobs, new types of growth and know-how to be shared around the world? And is that something that you see happening in the local economy in The Hague? Well, we see, we see it definitely in, in the Dutch economy. We have three big technical universities, uh, one nearby, the University of Delft, uh, which is actually very, very close by. We have the tramway uh, uh, going through it within 30 minutes. Uh, you're in the city center of Delft. And actually, we see the, the University of Delft uh, opening uh, uh, new branches uh, of their faculties uh, in The Hague to combine the power of their, their engineering technical skills with uh, all the, the the institutions we have here on uh, on that on that, that profile of, of peace and justice, and we think whereby letting that grow, uh, we can combine that and and have more jobs. Indeed, I was in New York and when in the Dutch Water House, uh, which was there at the at the embassy, uh, there was also a presentation from uh, a company uh, derived from uh, the University of Enschede, one of the other uh, technical universities on how they can predict problems in the world derived from a water shortage and how you can actually um, yeah, ensuring that that water shortage uh, is, is, is recognized on an early uh, level so that you can act on it. And I think with all these types of new innovations uh, coming from, uh, from universities, uh, you can have local jobs, but also uh, have, have uh, internationally uh, grow more jobs or make it more sustainable, uh, the, the farming in the world, make it more sustainable so that it feeds more people and have more people prosper and, and have good lives there. Certainly a, a common topic at the moment is um, nature-based solutions to resilience isn't it it's a topic you hear coming up i could see that you might say the sand dunes are part of the nature-based solution that you have other places are busy uh, planting lots of trees and we you know the, the flip side of the climate crisis is a nature crisis as well so does the use of nature and biodiversity figure large in how you're thinking about this? Uh, definitely. Uh, you already mentioned uh, the sand dunes, which we're experimenting on on how to make sure that, that our coastal lines are protected by using uh, uh, extra uh, uh, sands. We build a an, an, an peninsula 
which is slowly giving it, its sands to the rest of the dunes uh, at the coast. But the Hague is, is a city we, we are completely surrounded one to, at one side by the sea and the other sides by other communities. So if we're going to, to build more houses, then we have to do that in within the limits of our already compact built town. And it, that's possible to build uh, 30, 40, 50,000 new homes. But if you do so, you have to do it in a way that it's it's also livable. Livable now, but also within 30 years, in which we can expect more uh, uh, heat waves, uh, more severe rainfall as well. And then you have to act on that. So building that new city uh, gives us also the opportunity to uh, make it more biodiverse, make it more uh, adaptive. Uh, we have a nice example uh, here in, another, in in The Hague as well. We built a new park in, in one of the uh, areas which doesn't have a lot of green. And beneath that that park, we built a water buffer, which fills uh, with, with the rainfalls uh, in the winter and in the, in the fall, and then gives the water back to the, to the park uh, on top uh, in, uh, in dry periods. So that way, it, 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 we can keep it green, we can keep it cool for the people, we can give it a, a, a nice uh, a nice livable area uh, with more density in the, in the homes. And that's actually what we have to use, have to do everywhere in, uh, in the cities, not only in The Hague, but, uh, but uh, in Europe and worldwide, actually. And that knowledge uh, coming from our resilient strategy is becoming more and more vital. So that's what we at City Hall are working on as well to create a new resilient uh, strategy which has more climate adaptive in which we know more about the, the possible dangers of uh, of water uh, and the shortage of water uh, the heat waves and how to protect our citizens against it i've been hearing a lot recently about permeable paving where you have um, you know when there's a large downfall that the concrete can absorb more water even permeable paving with the water buffers that you were talking about, where you create a, a repository under the paving, and then even using IoT sensors to manage this and digital twins to manage it. It's all getting very clever, isn't it, with all sorts of uh, technologies being applied, uh, and fantastic to see your, your leading on that. Now, you're part of the Resilient Cities Network as well, and this sounds to me like you're sharing the plans that you have at The Hague with cities around the world. What what does it mean to be part of the Resilient Cities Network for you? It's definitely very important to be inspired by, uh, by other cities which also uh, have their problems and want to work on it because with 60% of the people living in an urban area and actually that, that's growing more and more, um, we have to make that, those cities livable. Uh, we're in the Hague, where we're blessed with the seaside, with the dunes, with with parks, uh, but also we have areas with uh, which are very dense, with uh, not so many uh, green areas. Uh, so we have to protect them as well. And that's not only a Dutch problem or a problem of the city of the Hague, but uh, it, it is also a problem in other cities. And that's why we're actually glad that we're part of that uh, resilient city network, uh, so we can learn from cities in in uh, from actually from all over the world. And it was very nice that we had a meeting in New York as well with uh, some uh, U.S. Um, uh, members uh, to see what what their problems are, how, what what their way of dealing with it is, uh, uh, and how we can share our knowledge. Because everything we do here uh, from uh, our resilience department on uh, a new water scan or making that digital twin to see where if a big 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 flood or rainfall will hit the city. 
what's happening? What's the what's the uh, three days, four days uh, project? So how can we share that? How can we share that knowledge? And by by sharing that, how can we uh, come up with uh, questions from other cities, which actually will inspire us to to make adjustments to it or actually respond to it? So I think that's that's the true value of those networks. Yeah, sure. I wonder what if you were to say we've contributed this thinking to the network and then we've learned this thinking from the network perhaps you could give me an example of of what you think you've contributed and what you think you've learned through resilient cities network i think that'd be interesting to hear uh, i think what we're we're contributing now is actually our work on the water scan we started uh, our conversation in, in which i gave uh, the many threats uh, the city is facing and um, which opportunities it will bring from rising sea levels uh, through uh, make, making sure you have enough drinking water as the two, uh, two, two main parts and we want to share that and we're actually already sharing uh, that knowledge on how to build such a water scan what you have to do which partners uh, you have to cooperate with and so that that's what we're bringing and what we're getting back on it is to see if we have all the partners uh, that we need if uh, if we look enough to to the communities involved and how we can uh, make sure that we are in in more in touch with those communities in which way there there are are very good examples on how to connect to communities which are not that used to getting involved with everything coming from city hall I mean, you always have the better uh, areas in a, in, in, in a city which will find their way uh, to, to my office here. And there are, of course, there are areas in which they don't know how to reach me or City Hall or don't want to or simply are too involved with uh, getting getting by day to, on a day-to-day basis. So we need to involve them as well because especially that last group is get, is will be affected first uh, because they live in the areas which, which in very dense areas with, in which the heat uh, islands, uh, um, as they're known for, uh, will affect them most. So what are some of the techniques you're using to engage with those communities? Well, of course, you have to look into uh, who are the who are the uh, public figures there, who are the who are the, who are the leaders. Uh, could be the people uh, uh, leading a mosque uh, in in some areas, or um, the people we, we use. We have a very dense network of libraries here in the city of the Hague, so we can use the libraries, which is always a a familiar place, a trusted place by a whole community. And by that, we can we can uh, actually get a lot of people uh, involved or informed at least. And of course, not not dictating everything from City Hall here, but actually going into the streets using various techniques to get people involved and to get people uh, on, on a knowledge level so that they know that something has to be done uh, and they're actually uh, a part of that change we want to make in a, in a specific area. Sounds like you have a lot of stakeholders to manage, from global stakeholders to local communities who aren't sure they even want to know about it, to other cities across Europe. This is a major stakeholder management challenge, isn't it? I just wonder what your personal reflections are for how do you manage so many different types of stakeholders and remain happy yourself <laughs> well talking to people it always makes me happy so that that's nice and luckily i'm not the only one involved and i think that's that's uh, it, it would be a bad thing if if i'm the only uh, alderman which is which is carrying this load we ha- we have 
uh, my colleague uh, Arjen Kapteins, he's, he's the older man for, for, uh, for climate change, for the energy transition and climate adaption. So he's working on it. Uh, I have uh, uh, another colleague, which is uh, the lead figure to talk to the international organizations here in The Hague. And she can't do it without me uh, informing her on what we're doing here. So uh, this, this has to be a team effort from City Hall, because if it's so- something which one, one alderman is, 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 is doing because uh, he or she fancies it, then, then it's uh, not sustainable at all. So a joined-up colleague strategy, a joined-up global strategy, a local strategy, a Europe strategy, and only 900,000 homes to build. And what do you do at the weekend, Robert, I wonder? No, I'm just joking. You have everything. You have to look at it uh, through, the, through the right perspective and to do it. Uh, and if you know where you want to end, then every step on that way is, is a step in a good direction. Uh, that's the way uh, you have to look at it. And luckily, we're not only doing it here by City Hall. We are getting inspired by uh, the city itself. There are, there are a lot of groups working on, on making sure that their area is, uh, gets more green, uh, that they're participating in how to get new energy for their homes. So it's actually uh, that they're uh, banging on the door of City Hall to get more help and to do it faster. Uh, then we have to go to them to make sure that everybody is participating. But as I said, from the better areas in the city, more groups are active than, than from, the, from the other areas. And in the end, whole of the city of The Hague has to uh, participate, has to change in order to, ma- to remain the high standards of, uh, of, 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 of people want to live in it. I'm reminded a little bit of the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, saying we need to do everything everywhere all at once. And it sounds like in our conversation that you are indeed a a testament to a city that is doing everything everywhere all at once. And it's important. And you will maintain your leadership position and trusted position as a centre of peace and justice. I think it's an inspiring story. Thank you ever so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you, Paul.